Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Danielle Vogel, and you're listening to Everyday Enviro on Full Service Radio, a show about the little things you can do to minimize your personal carbon footprint. This show is all about empowering you to take control of the pace of environmental progress you're making just by being a little bit more mindful about the way you eat, drink, shop, and think. This isn't hard stuff, but we'll show you just how easy it can be when you know exactly which small things really do matter. Today, I'm joined by Supergirl founder and vegan soup savant, Sarah Pollan. We'll be talking all about ways to maximize flavor while avoiding meat, as well as her meteoric rise to national soup-slinging personality and darling of the small screen. Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much. What an intro. (laughs) Thank you, Danielle. So after reading Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan, a formative work to be sure, you decided to leave behind the world of stand-up comedy and venture into another always uplifting and infinitely lighthearted arena, small business ownership. So what was it about that book that resonated with you? Great question. Um, It's hard to put it into one word. It was just, I think, basically how corrupted our food system has gotten. Mm -hmm. And I had absolutely no idea. I like to say that I used to be one of those people that would go to a farmer's market because I thought they were adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I, I, I just, I didn't know I wasn't aware. And now it's my entire life. Hmm. So the only logical response to reading this book was of course to start, start a, a soup company. Sure, yes. sure. Drag your mother out of retirement and start a soup company is actually technically what happened. What a delightful result for her. <laughs> um, so I know that you're kosher. So that excludes all manner of things like pork and shellfish, obviously from your diet. But it sounds like you were not a vegan before Omnivore Salama, were you? I was a vegetarian. Okay. I was a vegetarian and um, I actually, little known fact, I wasn't a vegan when I started the company and I became a vegan seven years ago. So the company is 10 years old and I became a vegan three years into it after giving a talk very sim- about environmentalism and the impact of your food choices on the environment. And it was at the end of that talk that I was like, I am a hypocrite. And that was the last <laughs> time I ever had any... Um, dairy or eggs. I was a vegan in my 20s when I lived in Manhattan as a comedian, but I was so unprepared uh, and I didn't, I I just didn't know how to do it and how to eat healthfully. And I was actually not, not well in in terms of any food choice. I just wasn't living a healthy lifestyle. And potentially couldn't afford meat as a stand-up comedian. Right, right. (laughs) So yeah, it was actually when my folks would come visit, that's when I would go (laughs) out to eat. So at this talk, you you quite literally talked yourself into Mm -hmm. veganism. What was it that you said that convinced you to become a vegan? Well, um, the reason we started the business, um, one of the reasons we started the business was to be, make as green of a choice as possible um, for our business and also for our consumers. So 
we wanted people to eat healthfully. We knew people wanted to eat healthfully. They wanted to eat locally. They wanted to, people were coming more and more aware of the impact of their food choices on everything. And mm-hmm. so we wanted to, you know, capitalize on that movement and get involved. And we decided to start a vegan soup company because I had just kept doing more and more research and understood that veganism is the best way to fight climate change. And so, and also I'm a big believer in, in, um, the animal rights movement. And Mm -hmm. I got more and more involved and aware of that. And it's funny, it was actually the combination of my environmentalism and my adherence to kosher eating that made me make the switch to full veganism because to me, being kosher means the spiritual aspect of your food choices and understanding the impacts and understanding the impacts on the animals. And there's so much in whatever you want to read, Bible, whatever, about respect for your your food and respect for the environment. And I realized the only way to truly be kosher and and truly be respectful of the environment is to be vegan. That's really interesting. So I grew up kosher as well. You grew up kosher. Yep. But perhaps some of our listeners are not as um, read in the nuances. Can you be more specific? What parts of Kashrut informed this new approach to Absolutely. Yeah. So you're supposed to like our whole concept of mindfulness and gratefulness that we're so trying to get back to. Um, it, 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 that's what being kosher is all about being grateful and, and pausing before you take any bite of food, you give thanks for it and you give thanks in their different prayers for different foods. So if it's a fruit, if it's a meat, if it's something you're pausing, you're understanding where it came from, how it got to your plate, and then you're giving thanks for it. And then when it comes to meat eating and dairy eating, the entire concept of meat eating is built around respect for the animal and acknowledgement that you are taking a life. You need to do it and you need to do it respectfully. And the way the, um, the industrialization of our meat industry in particular has moved so far away, we've outsourced everything. We've outsourced our adherence to organic farming. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've outsourced our adherence to kosh, to kashrut, which means that there's a stamp on a label. Okay, checkbox. We know it, that the, the laws are being adhered to. And if you dig just a little bit, you don't even have to do that much investigating. You realize how far we are from those food choices and from respect from the animal, respect for the land. I mean, when you talk about the laws of kosher, you're even talking about like what crops you're supposed to plant when. Like we're talking about crop rotation. Mm-hmm. That's in the Bible. It's regenerative agriculture. Yes. Right? Like that is in the Bible and we are just not doing that. And so we got to get back, whether it's to the Bible or to just understanding where our food comes from. So for, for those who are listening and maybe considering a transition to maybe flexitarian, maybe vegetarian, maybe even vegan eventually, we, we would like to provide a roadmap. So can you tell us a little bit about the journey from sort of omnivorous within the constraints of Kashruth to full-fledged vegan? Were there nutrients you struggled to find in sufficient quantity? Like, give us a how-to. So the worst thing you can do is just go vegan and not think about it. And that's what I did when I was in my 20s. So, you know, Oreos are vegan, Twizzlers are vegan, um, bagels and mock cream cheese are vegan. And you can just party it up. Lots of fake stuff. There's a lot of processed food out there that's vegan. Um, So I would advise before you'd make the leap to veganism is think about what do you eat that makes you feel good? And a lot of people might not feel good. And so it's, it's, it's like a welcome 
change because mm-hmm. they're like, mm, I feel really sluggish after I eat X. So start understanding what meals make you feel good. Is it a meal full of a lot of protein and fiber? Do you really enjoy vegetables? Do you really enjoy meat? What is it about the meat? So try to identify the things that you really like and then try to find plant-based sources for them because in 2019, there are plant-based sources for everything, sure. whether you want the cupcake or you want the meat. For me, um, I'm not a huge fan of the mock meats. Uh, I enjoy cooking and eating things with quote unquote meaty flavors. So I'll cook lentil, lentil soup, a lentil chili, something like that. And I'll use a lot of garlic. I'll use a lot of Spanish smoked paprika, Mm, (coughs) cumin, um, things that give a lot of flavor. I also like cooking with a lot of fresh herbs um, and nuts. I also really embrace healthy plant-based fats. Um, So you want to find what you like, what makes you feel good, and then start looking for plant-based equivalents. The great thing about the internet is once you figure out what you want to be eating, quick Google search will find you a million options. For sure. So on that note, were there any resources that you found particularly helpful? Books, blogs, podcasts? Um, So I love Forks Over Knives. That movie is great, and they have an awesome uh, website and cooking, uh, cooking blog. Um, so that's a great one. And also, uh, the vegetarian society of DC, veg DC, um, go um, if you Google, I want to go vegan, I don't know where to start. You will be <laughs> overwhelmed with choices, but there are vegan starter kits. You can actually go to, um, I think it's veg DC or go and they'll send you a vegan starter kit. Um, and it doesn't need to be, if you make the choice, if you just want to go vegan one meal a week mm-hmm. and just try it, that's great you're having a you're making a big impact which is doing one meal a week for sure so how much of your veganism is environmentally motivated um and how much is related to other factors so you mentioned animal Mm -hmm. husbandry obviously you mentioned your uh faith and things like that but if you had to sort of weigh the environmental considerations what proportion of the decision does that make up it's about 50 50 and i don't think you can really in my opinion tear the two apart you can't really because when you're talking about the environment, environmental impact of the meat, well, you, you have to go into the slaughterhouses and you have to go into the dairy farms and see, well, the amount of waste that's going into the production of dairy or meat and the amount of uh, resources that are taken up in water. Um, and then, oh, yeah, the, the animals are treated horrifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we like to say if all slaughterhouses had glass walls, we would all be vegetarian. And I would argue <laughs> if all dairy houses had gla- glass walls, we'd be vegan. It's not a good not a good picture. So when you shine a light on the entire process, it's all tied together. Sure. Um, and do you personally have any favorite stats about meat consumption as it re- relates to the environment? Like perhaps one you shared in that talk that you converted yourself during? You know, they change so much. Um, it's hard for me to keep up. I will tell you that I think it was like three weeks ago. It was the British study. You might have that, the Lansing Lansing study or something. It was all over the BBC. Um, It was this huge study out of the UK that basically said, we're in big trouble Mm -hmm. and in terms of our health and the planet's health. And we actually have a prayer of changing, of, of keeping ourselves within two degrees if we change our approach to food. And it's what plant-based eaters and vegans have been screaming from the rooftops yeah, for years for sure. and now we're like see we told you so but it's uh <laughs> it's kind of like we're all trying to figure out how do we get industrialized nations to curb our emissions how are we going to do this it's going to be an entire infrastructure overall no it's not just stop eating so much meat stop and dairy. eating resource consumptive mm-hmm. proteins yeah yes 
Um, so the, I've seen stats that are all over the board, but generally speaking, meat is about six times more carbon intensive than produce, um, gram for gram. And last year, America set a new record for meat consumption. It's a really mm-hmm. special record to hold. Um, with the average consumer eating, are you ready for this? 222 pounds of red meat and poultry a year. Very sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's a wild <laughs> amount of meat. That's to a be. shocking and, amount. You know, when we're thinking about the environmental impacts of meat, you know, it's they're very resource, resource cons- consumptive to raise because they, you know, there's a lot of grazing land. They've got to be fed grains that have implications uh, in the agriculture sector. They consume a ton of water and they emit methane, which is more carbon intensive than CO2 from a global warming perspective. Um, the slaughter process is very energy intensive. And then we put it on the back of a truck and bop it across the country. And that truck, by the way, is refrigerated. Um, and then it gets to the retailer where there's even more refrigerated refrigeration, which again is incredibly emissive. Um, and then finally you get it home and then there's food waste. So you've taken all of those inputs and you put them into the landfill for them to decompose and create more emissions. It's so great for the environment. Mm-hmm. So the easiest thing you can do for the environment from a climate perspective is just drink local beer. Um, Obviously. But the most, yes. but the most impactful <laughs> thing you can do is just skip meat every once in a while, please, for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, but there's hope even for those of us who aren't ready to completely purge meat from our diets. Flexitarianism is becoming more common as an eating paradigm. Um, that's kind of when, when folks look to minimize meat consumption or at least to consistently find better sourced meat. And there are a growing number of people who use meat sparsely. So they're using it for flavoring or for nutrient density rather than as a centerpiece of a meal. So obviously, Sarah, you don't use meat at all. Um, You mentioned liking those meaty flavors, though. So can you give us some specific tips for maximizing flavors without using animal proteins? Yeah, this goes back to what I was talking about. Embrace the pulses. Those are legumes, chickpeas, black beans. Oh, my God. We make a black bean sweet potato chili. Oh, it's righteous. (laughs) It's delicious. And it is just, you know, it's got the paprika. It's got, and we'll do funky stuff. We'll cook, you know, roast vegetables with za'atar, like, it's um there's so many natural plant-based flavors like natural meaning with herbs and spices not funky weird additives Mm -hmm. that you can cook with and so it's not only uh, moving away from meat but also moving you know changing your palate um to not crave so much salt and fat and so when you're cooking a healthy plant-based meal and and you don't use so much salt and fat you're you're your cravings will begin to change. Sure. And so then you're craving more of the natural flavors that come are just abundant right now, especially in the DC area. We just have like this beautiful local farming community and <clears throat> produce that changes with every month. And so if you can get your palate to start craving that instead of chicken McNuggets or whatever, everybody wins. You reset the calibration. Exactly. Awesome. So you mentioned those charming little farmer's markets earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are coming into farmer's market season at last. Do you have any favorite spices that complement the vegetables we'll find at our local farmer's markets in the next couple of months? I am all about the za'atar these days, which is... I'm hearing that. Yeah. Middle Eastern spice. Uh, It has sumac and sesame seeds. And I just put that beep that's on everything (laughs) (laughs) Um, but roasting like cauliflower just went out of season but it'll be back in the spring just like tossing cauliflower with a little bit of extra virgin olive oil salt pepper and za'atar i i I consume a 
instead of popcorn, just a disgusting amount of that. All right. And Zatar it up. Yeah. Heard chef <laughs> looking for Zatar at a grocer near you. Yes. Um, so turning back to Supergirl for a second, can you tell us a little bit about your sourcing methodology for the vegetables and the other ingredients that you use in your soups? Yeah. Um, it's not easy, um, but it's worth it. So when I started back in 2008, I quite literally went down to a farmer's market, introduced myself, and I was like, I'm doing this business. Can I buy bulk from you? Dude, and then years later, I <laughs> did the same thing to you at the DuPont <laughs> Farmer's Market. And that's uh, basically how we got started. So I just started ordering directly from these farmers. And what was great is that back then, the local movement was kind of just getting started. Mm -hmm. So people were really eager to work with me. And there were just a few co-ops that actually picked up from these farmers and delivered. So I started working with them. And then I just started expanding that network. Um, and now the sourcing has grown. Um, as, as we grow, we are able to work with different farmers. So for example, at uh, Natural Foods Expo East, I met up with this woman who started a company called Full Harvest. And she was working for a juice company on California and watching them juice all of this like grade A perfect kale mm. <clears throat> and then just throwing like some ugly stuff into a landfill, not sure. even into compost. And which is heartbreaking when you see like all this like perfectly harvested lettuce and greens in plastic bags go into landfills. Oh my gosh. It's horrific. And so she started a company where she was, she, it's basically this whole concept of number twos. Mm -hmm. And they don't necessarily work. I just saw an article today. Number twos aren't necessarily working on their direct-to-consumer retail front. Like right. if someone goes to Whole Foods, they really want a perfect sweet potato. Yeah. Okay, so I'll take that ugly sweet potato. You know, those sweet potatoes that are the size of a human head, consumers don't want those. I want those because mm -hmm. I'm making a mm -hmm. lot of ginger sweet potato soup. So just like two weeks ago, we purchased 6,000 pounds of organic butternut squash that was going to end up in a landfill. Wow. And that's just, we're just getting started with her. So, and, and it was beautiful. It was way better tasting than the stuff at the end of the season here. It was awesome. So yeah, it's not, it's not, you know, hundred percent local, but so much energy is saved and just so much food waste was saved by just, went into the soup instead of into the landfill. So these are the kind of things that we can do as we grow. And also, frankly, it's good economics for your small business. Yes. And it's good economics for the farmer mm -hmm. because those are, you know, products that otherwise might die in the field or be landfill eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and you're giving the farmer an ancillary revenue stream and you're giving your consumers really, really delicious vegan-based food at a reasonable price exactly. because your inputs are controlled. Exactly. Thumbs up. Thank you. Way to go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so when you start a relationship with a new vendor, like it sounds like you just did, what's the vetting process for that? Are you doing farm visits? Is, is it like kind of a trust but verify type of relationship? Well, right now we have to move more towards GAP certification. So mm -hmm. Can you tell the oh, people sorry. what that means? That's the good agricultural practices. So um, we are GMP certified, meaning we have good manufacturing practices. So when we go to Whole Foods or Giant Food or whoever, we say, hey, this auditor has come to our facility, made sure we're super clean, we're sourcing appropriately, uh, we're doing things right. And so I need to then turn around and go to the farmers that I work with and say, I need a similar certification from you. And a GAP certification means they're you know, a, a like giving the farms like some things you don't think about. Mm -hmm. Are they giving their workers adequate access to sanitation facilities yep. and bathrooms and hand sinks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's not a given on many farms, sure. and which means they don't 
go in the right places and then that can go into the soil and trying to be gentle here on the podcast. But uh, so those are the certifications that we require. And so as you grow, you just have to be more and more careful about your sourcing. What's great is that a lot of farmers want to grow as they see more and more opportunities as companies like mine are wanting to source responsibly and support these smaller farms. So they're going through that certification process. Affirmatively. Yeah. That's great. Um, so the industry is moving in the right direction because you've in- you and, and other people that are doing people, doing yeah. right like you. are increasing demand for it. Like, yeah. like Danielle's Glenn's Garden Market. Well, thank you. Thank You're you welcome. for that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking to Supergirl founder and vegan soup mogul, magnate, Sarah Pollan. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we'll dive into what's next after you've achieved superstardom. Back in a sec. Welcome back. This is Everyday Enviro, a show about the small things you can do to reduce your personal carbon footprint. I'm Danielle Vogel, founder of Glen's Garden Market, and I'm joined today by Sarah Pollan, founder of local hero brand Supergirl. We've been talking about her founder's journey and getting some tips for spicing up veggie dishes. And now we'll dive into her recent escapades as a superstar of the small screen. Shark Tank! Tell us everything you're reasonably able to share without violating a non-disclosure agreement, Sarah. <laughs> First of all, I love all the different names you're giving me in the <laughs> descriptions. Do you prefer mogul or magnate? <laughs> uh, I prefer queen. Just <laughs> Done. Soup queen. Sarah Pollan, coming um, at you live. So I will say that everything you see um, in terms of going out in front of the shark's um, and them not knowing anything, and that's all true. You, oh, really? You walk down that that hall, the doors open, and there they are, and they've never met you, and you've never met them, and you, you know, better do that pitch perfectly. Uh, on on, I think on my episode, I didn't see this when it was recording, but during my episode, the guy after us just totally flubbed it. Oh no! And it's it's brutal. It is, it it brings the most confident arrogant cocky people <laughs> to their knees <laughs> um 
But they do, you know, you have to remember about Shark Tank, it's a television show. Right. So they want to capture those they takes. They want to capture. They're not going to yes. allow you to reshoot it. This they, is exactly. It's like the opposite of the magic of television. And they edit as they please. So I, it was like a black hole. I could have been in there for 15 minutes. I think I was in there for about a half an hour. I don't know. I don't know how long I was in there. Hmm. 45 minutes? I don't know. Um, you know, I wish they had shown more. The, the, the sharks loved the soup mm-hmm. and they loved the brand. And as they were like, you know, started tearing me apart over this and that, they were like, but did you try the soup? <laughs> like they just kept, they kept uh, saying that. So it was, um, it was great to get the national exposure. I was so excited about it. Um, and it was a, an incredible once in a lifetime opportunity and also gave me confidence as mm-hmm. I, you know, go out and pitch my company and just try to grow this thing. Like if I can survive that, I can survive anything. And also my mother's a rock star. <laughs> so you guys came across so authentically. It Thank was you. like sitting here in this room with you, but I was watching you on national television. How rehearsed was that pitch? <laughs> the pitch itself. So the 45 seconds, you get 45 seconds. We rehearsed that, like we were walking around LA and <laughs> we would just pull it. over at a grassy knoll and just do it. <laughs> and then we'd walk another five miles and do it again and again and again and then in the hotel room and over meals and then we were just going over all of the answers and the talking points but you know you just have to be really comfortable with your business with your numbers and your beliefs mm-hmm. um but that that we're very proud of what we've done mm-hmm. we're very proud of what we built and continue to build and that is, I think, what I tried to get across. Yeah, it came across beautifully. Thank so you. So it didn't go your way in the room. Um, but what happened next? Well, what, the guest shark, uh, we're chatting. Awesome. He's awesome. He is as good of a person as he appeared on that show. His background is incredible, and he is a good human being. That's really comforting to hear. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. And then um, dot, 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 the Today Show happened Yes, uh, last month. Mm-hmm. So h- how did that come about? Tell, tell us about the experience. Um, they reached out, and it turns out a customer, longtime supporter of ours, had emailed them. I had no idea. She had emailed them and said, you should feature this duo. And three weeks later, there they were. It was un... But yes, that is what happened. I am not... I got forwarded the email. It is incredible. So was it a scenario where you're sitting at work and the phone rings and they're like, hey, it's the Today Show. See you tomorrow. I was on a, I was on a weekly call with my marketing guys and I just happened to check my email, which is a horrible habit that I think every CEO <laughs> does where you have like 15 windows open and you're doing 16 things. And I was like, oh, I literally was on the phone and I just said, oh my God. That's <laughs> well, a good crowd to announce that to <laughs> yes. marketing team. Yes. Uh, and they emailed and then we went back and forth for about a week about just details and everything. And then the, 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 the person came down, Jill, um, Jill Martin and spent, they spent the day with us and it was so much fun. It was like a cakewalk compared to, to Shark to Tank because Shark they wanted us, they were just excited for us. Right. And, and they want to do a positive profile. Yeah. They're not looking to gut you to studs. No, no, quite the opposite. They wanted to profile a woman owned business that's growing 
and it was it was amazing way to go and thank way you. to represent the small batch food community in dc like thank an you. absolute superstar thank you um thank all right you. so between shark tank and the today show i know this is hard to quantify but for those of you who have not been paying close attention to the food sector in our town for the last couple of years it's been a real brutal run oh. um like two back to back just horrendously bad years yep. for various reasons and we need not point fingers um <laughs> how diplomatic of you donald trump is not being helpful um <laughs> but how much did those two appearances help your business if you can quantify it we're we're on track to have some pretty dramatic growth in 2019 awesome. 2018 was challenging and i do want to stress i think that people think that i've been on tv and so I'm just rolling in it. And that You're is, not? It is just, you don't go home at the end of the day with the contents of the cash register in your pockets? It's weird. I am, we are growing and it's awesome, but we have like horrible weeks and we have exciting weeks. Mm -hmm. And some weeks I feel like we're about to conquer the world and other weeks I'm like, I'm done. It's so hard, especially when it comes to food and fickle tastes. Mm -hmm. and, and weather. And the weather has been... I mean, when you have uh, a snowstorm followed by 70 degrees, followed by enough wind to like, I, I don't know where Dorothy's house is, house is but like, <laughs> it's, it's very, very challenging. Yeah, but in good news, it's making everyone sick. So, soup. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that is true. And we're getting a lot of gifts being sent down. <laughs> so, so that's good. But soup does, I believe, cure all. So, you know, especially vegan soup. So we're off to a running start. What, what else is coming down the pike? What, what do we have in store for the year ahead for Supergirl? We're trying to add, we are, we are in more retailers. We just launched in Giant Food, which was very, very exciting. And then I have a lot of meetings coming up to just launch in more and more retailers. And also we're expanding our direct-to-consumer shipping program. We ship our soups all over the country and we're adding partnerships to enhance that offering. Um, that's a whole other ball of wax. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, that's, a, that's a challenge. But we're just trying to grow while at the same time stay true to these values. Yep. Got to keep it authentic. That's, people will see right through yeah, it. Yeah. And I'm not interested and in, I've been pushed. People are like, oh, why don't you just do X, Y, Z? I mean, the, the sharks did it, right? Yep. And I'm not, I'm listening. And there are ways for me to grow. And I don't want to, you know, make any specific announcement. But like there are ways for me to grow um, smartly, responsibly, listen to people's advice and just figure out a path uh, while staying true to those values. Sure. I mean, back to sort of the mindfulness you alluded to earlier. And also it's just an essential part of being a strategic entrepreneur. You've got to know when to say yes and you've got to know when to say no. Well, consumers, like you said, they'll see right through it. And what's great is the consumers are supporting brands like ours mm -hmm. uh, and they're supporting brands that stand for something, value-based brands that aren't just about the bottom line. And I'm very appreciative of that because we're fighting every day to do the right thing. And let me tell you, it's not the inexpensive way to exactly. run a business. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so what about those awesome and hilarious videos you are making? Are you, are you still making those? Where can we go to find them? We're, we're, we are doing more uh, like lifestyle and just like iPhone stuff. So yeah, go to our Instagram page. You're going to start seeing some more videos and stories and my mom's going to be in more oh, of them. Oh, damn. And uh, it's just, 
kind of mixing it up a little bit. I appreciate you noticing those. <laughs> so we know already that Sarah used to be a stand-up comedian. These videos are really worth the time investment. Check them out. They're <laughs> very, very funny. Um, so beyond that, beyond Instagram, where, where else can we follow your progress with great interest on the internet? Uh, go to our site and then... Which go, is what? Oh, thank you. Supergirl.com. That's S-O-U-P-E-R-G-I-R-L.com. Supergirl.com. Instagram, Facebook, and... Just look up Google Supergirl. You'll see all kinds of videos. Go to our press page and you'll see some cool videos as well. And where do we go to buy your soups? Go to Giant Whole Foods. There's another store that starts with a G where someone might go to buy your uh, soups. Giant Whole Foods. Most importantly, Glen's Garden Market and <laughs> DuPont Circle. <laughs> One That's of our awesome. first wholesale customers. Um, so thank you for saying that. You, re- you, you really were at one of our first supporters and awesome and took a chance on us. And we are eternally grateful. It's a symbiosis from the start, right? Um, so we've learned a bit about all the things you're doing right at Supergirl. And there are many of them. Are there any other local food companies that you think are really nailing it? Looking for some recommendations. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that, um, Sweet green, they're not local anymore, but those guys are, are sourcing models. with integrity. Yeah. yeah. And it's models on how to, it's a model on how to grow and stay true to your values. I love those guys. Mm-hmm. I think they're fantastic. Um, and, um, beefsteak Jose's Jose Andres is fast casual. Mm-hmm. We do their soup. Uh, oh, cool. I <laughs> yeah. didn't know that. That's great. Um, so you can find us there, but they're, they're also really trying to support local vendors and, uh, source responsibly and they have a great team and uh i just love beefsteak and then if you're looking for like um baked goods i love whisked yeah she's got a new vegan line out not only does she have a new vegan line out which is delicious and the cookies are much softer than Mm -hmm. the original line which is actually my personal preference but she started doing them individually packaged that was from a long walk we took together girl i've been arguing for that for years Mm -hmm. yes um and so the only ones you can get from her individually packaged are the vegan ones which again it's great because it's like subliminally encouraging a choice that we would like folks to make um but also you don't necessarily have to dive into a package of six that maybe you know eight or nine dollars depending on where you get it yep so yeah she's she's phenomenal and a wonderful business owner and just a good person so I, i'm a big fan of hers agreed completely agreed on the jenna front uh finally any last tips for us as we work to minimize our personal carbon footprint just uh be very conscientious with every food choice you make so just think about just take 10 seconds, 15 seconds, if you have a minute and really think about that food choice and are you just doing it for convenience and think about the impact because if enough of us start pausing and thinking, we potentially can make a dent. Thank you for that, Sarah. This has been a super There you discussion. go. Thank you so much, Danielle. You're a wonderful hostess. <laughs> it's amazing how easy it can be to make environmental progress when you know what you're doing. So before we end our time together, let's take a moment to reflect on why climate change is a problem worth even attempting to address at the personal level. It's huge and complex, and at times it seems well beyond our control, but it's not. This is your moment of motivation. In 2014, the New York Times published a deeply researched opinion piece by Mark Bittman exploring the true costs of a hamburger. Over a year's worth of data analysis, he found that Americans eat about 16 billion hamburgers a year. Folks, each pound of burger meat is responsible for 25 pounds worth of global warming emissions. 
And according to some of the sourcing data he used, the life cycle carbon impacts of lamb are about 13 times that of potatoes. And the life cycle carbon impacts of beef are about 25 times that of tomatoes. So eating broccoli or tofu is about six times better for the environment than eating pork. And lentils have only about 15% of the carbon impacts of chicken, pound for pound. So interestingly, well over half of legumes carbon impact comes from the energy intensity of cooking them rather than growing them. So pro tip, using a pressure cooker that cuts cooking time in half reduces beans emissions by 25%. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. I learned a ton and I'm looking forward to putting your tips into practice. I hope so. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for listening to Everyday Enviro. Next week, we'll be talking with Kyle Preston, former winemaker and current wine buyer for Glens Garden Market about sustainability and price transparency in winemaking. Talk then. Bye, friends. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.